Welcome to the Classy Podcast by Class 101. I'm Angela Sun, and with me is digital artist Lexin Yuan. Hi, I'm Lexin. I am a independent artist currently living on the West Coast. I would say I'm most well known for like dynamic character art, and I think also maybe expressive characters and teaching and mentoring in general. So what's new? I saw your posts about summer mentorship, and then your shops closing down. Yes, by the time this interview goes up, my shop will be closed. But I had it open for a while because I have been doing some conventions, some post-COVID conventions. Post-COVID, I did also open up summer mentorships for a while. Those are also closed and will be starting in a few weeks. Okay. So, oh. anything new other than those two? I have been working on a graphic novel with a pretty cool author. Nothing has been announced yet, but <laughs> that has been Ooh. in the early stages. Yes. Wow, that sounds really exciting. Can't wait to yes. hear more about it. Yes. What are your hobbies outside of drawing? I would say I'm definitely trying to branch out like my hobbies from drawing and like artistic stuff in general. Been working on a cosplay because I'm planning to go to Anime Expo for fun, going to conventions for fun, going to conventions to like make money. Those are two different things. I want to be able to experience both sides, so I know what it's like as a consumer, as a participant, and as an artist. You know what? That's work related too. Work but I also but your work <laughs> is your your work is your. It started as a passion project when you were really young, and now it's your job. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. 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 You can't totally separate the two. Well, I think it's good that they are intertwined. I also live with two of my good friends. We have two dogs, so we just hang out, play games, what make food together. Play? Obviously, I play Genshin, but that's like my thing. My two friends don't really do that. Uh, sometimes we play Don't Starve. Yeah. Okay. That's the <laughs> reference for some people who will understand. <laughs> Are there any classes you'd be interested in taking on our platform? I have taken a few classes. I took Jury Yoon's class before I ever taught mine. So I knew how Class 101 worked because I was a big fan of Jury Yoon. I also took Aruseli's class. Obviously, she is the number one bestseller on the website. Yes. And I'm a big fan of her. I also took the One Million Dance class because I like dancing and I'm a big fan of Leah Kim. Yeah. Nice. If you ever visit Seoul, you can take the classes in person. Yes. They have an office in Seoul. So yeah, or a dance studio. So the next question is about your curricula. It's unbelievable that your class is your first time teaching because the curriculum is so well structured and the class content is so informative. I especially liked your format of going from lines, shape to forms in one of the chapters. How did you outline the chapters and the talking points? Or did you have it all outlined before filming? I definitely tried to structure the entire class in a way that would logically flow to me in a way that nobody else did before. I was very scared of being repetitive and just teaching something that could be found somewhere else. First of all, I generally structured everything in a way that made sense to me to teach to someone else. And I didn't really remember the specifics, but I looked at my Notion page for the class, the Notion page I used to plan everything. The earlier chapters, some of them were so scripted, I literally wrote every single word and read it like that. <laughs> Later on, I got a lot more comfortable and I was able to just have some bullet points and say, just turn on the camera and just do the class. So the earlier chapter didn't feel like you reading off the script at all. So nice work on that. I think it, it was really like... only one of them that was really oh, okay. like that. 
Yeah, everything flows so natural. And I can tell that you are also interested in content creation. Watching your YouTube videos and stuff, assuming that helped a lot too. Was that before the class one on course or after? That was after. I think doing class one, it gave me the character development I needed to be able to start making my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So you you did the audio edits and the cool sounds and everything because I thought it was really cool how you... In YouTube or in class one one? I guess in both. I I did have to edit everything myself. (laughs) I don't remember (laughs) doing any sound effects or anything for class one one. Okay. Maybe it was added by our content team. Tell us a little bit about your tool. Who would you recommend Clip Studio Paint to? I use Clip Studio Paint EX. It is the more advanced one. The one that costs a little bit more, but either way, I think CSP is the best investment any digital artist could possibly make. I can't see any other way. The pro version is $50 flat forever. Meanwhile, Photoshop is $20 a month. Mm-hmm. It's like two or three months of Photoshop and you're like oh, already paying over CSP. And Photoshop wasn't even made for digital artists. Is it the specific techniques? Are there specific elements to Clip Studio Paint that you really like that you can't do without it? The EX version specifically, it supports animation and has a lot of tools for comics too. CSP is really cool because it has a feature where users can make assets for other users to use. So the database for assets keeps on growing and growing. Like you could download 3D models, you can get brushes that people use and like different tools that make workflow a lot easier that other people made and contributed for free. <laughs> What's the ideal mindset for an artist? You know, I thought about this and I was like, probably somebody who knows exactly what art is to them. Because mm. if you're unable to define art for yourself, how could you be happy with it? How would you define art for yourself? I would really like it to be at once a form of self-expression and something that I could be able to make into a living. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to balance those two right now. I think lately it's been way more of the second thing. It's been mm-hmm. more of like a professional thing that I can do. I can execute certain techniques. I can teach people. Mm-hmm. But the expression side of the personal side is a little bit lacking. And I would like to get back to that. Mm-hmm. I think it ties to when I asked you about what you like to do outside of work. Because mm-hmm. didn't you say you want to create more art, like non-work related art? Yeah, that would be ideal, but I don't think there, I don't, not sure there's a thing such as not the work like to art now. <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. It's like a balance between what you want to create and what others want to see. It's always a balance between the two. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the actual drawing and painting aspect. So this is about your chapter on understanding posing basics. What uh-huh. makes posing natural? You have to go the opposite because it's really hard to like pinpoint what makes something a thing. So you have to be like, what makes a pose unnatural? What makes a pose undynamic? That's the way I also taught it in the class. Okay, so eliminating those aspects. Yes. So what makes a pose unnatural is if everything is like in the same alignment, everything is parallel or in the same axis of tilt. Good natural poses are usually asymmetrical and counterbalanced because the natural forces of gravity and like your weight and your muscles and everything is working together. I was also thinking as a non-digital artist, the closest thing I could relate to drawing poses was posing for a camera. Because when I pose Mm -hmm. for a photo, I know where to place my hands and everything that 
makes the photo look natural. But it's not necessarily the first move that I would think of when I was just like standing yes. unaware of the camera. So I was wondering if there's mm -hmm. an element similar to that in drawing poses. Yeah, I feel like it's basically exactly the same as posing for a camera. We have to arrange elements of the body in a way that appear natural. Maybe if you stood that way, it would not feel natural. But those are two different things. <laughs> okay, interesting. So my next question is, yes, it's about dynamic character art. How would you describe dynamic character art? In other words, what makes a drawing dynamic? A lot of it is about the camera and the subject's relation to the camera. When I start doing a dynamic drawing, the first thing I think about is where the camera is placed in relation to the character. And the most important thing is what's the closest thing to the camera. And what's the thing like furthest away? Because depth automatically makes things dynamic. So defining those focal points. Yes. Okay. The key points is depth, silhouette, and perspective <laughs> that ties into camera angle. I know that some artists would pose in front of the mirror to find natural looking poses. Do you ever do that? Because I think it'd be really hard to do with the poses that you create. Because there's a lot of like, would... legs going up in the air. And... Yeah, I don't do like the things I draw, no, yeah. I don't, I don't post for those. <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask this question. I think just for specific things, like maybe a hand, like sometimes I can't figure out what the hand looks like in this specific angle. So I just do the hand part, but not the whole thing. <laughs> okay. That's the point of learning how to draw is that, so I don't have to do that. <laughs> okay. So my next question is about anatomy. I'm a newbie in character drawing and I only have an hour to learn the essential elements of anatomy. What do you suggest that I focus on to draw dynamic figures such as yours? I think if you only have an hour and you're a complete newbie, what you should probably do is spend the hour studying master gesture artists, people who do gesture really well, and you can pinpoint why they're so good. Because half of art is having good taste, being able to figure out why something's good, why it's good to you, and the rest of it is technique. And anybody can learn technique. Find a gesture artist who you think is really impactful for you and then study how they did everything. <laughs> because you mentioned like form drawing, bone structure, anatomy. That's everything though. We should pinpoint which part of it speaks to you. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So try to develop a taste, like which artworks you feel drawn to and then start from there. Yeah. Okay. So otherwise it's like you have the whole world. <laughs> you, know, you don't know where to focus. Okay. You get lost. Yeah. Okay. The interest and developing a good taste. It's interesting you, you mentioned taste because as a beginner in any sort of creative industry, good taste is essential, but it also, it can really damage you mentally because when you're first starting out, you have this good taste, which is why you want to get started in this creative thing, whether it be drawing, writing, whatever it could be. But then what you create, it doesn't match your <laughs> great taste. So it's like closing that gap. Obviously, you're not a beginner artist anymore, but I'm sure you've experienced something similar in the past. Could you yes. comment on that? I think everyone does. So we still do. I still look at artists and I'm like, I want to be able to do that. I do that like all the time. Yeah. Even like with the teaching thing, because I grew up watching people who taught art and I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> and now I did that. <laughs> like, Cool. Okay, so let's talk about original characters for a bit, creating your own characters. What are the components that go into creating your own as opposed to drawing banner or... Man, 
This question is really hard because I feel like original characters can be literally anything. You can create a character literally just for an illustration and that character can have no backstory, nothing. They're just like really cool looking character you designed for something and that could count as an original character. But you could also create an original character because you have a story you want to write and like dynamics you want to explore and they have a whole backstory and plot and everything. It's just a, such a huge range. But you would divide yeah. the characters without a backstory and with the backstory and themes that the artist would want to explore. Yeah. Some artists just make like illustrative things. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Some artists want to make stories with characters. That's also fine. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe walk us through the process of creating original characters? It's really hard for me. I really, I have been on a fan art binge for the last few months. I really want to get back to making original work. It's hard. I used to like writing a lot. So most of my original characters stemmed from stories, but I haven't written in a while. So I have no characters to to draw <laughs> I see. Um, but you used to get the inspiration from your writings, the yes. backstories that you would create. Yeah, it's also really tough to create characters after like knowing the tropes that you like. You're like, am I ripping off my favorite characters by making this character? It's hard. Because you want them to be special and you want them to strongly resonate with the readers. You don't want them to read about your character and then be reminded of something else. I think it's not bad because tropes exist for a reason. I don't want to have my character just be like an AU of some other well-known character. (laughs) Okay. I saw your first YouTube video titled Solid Head Construction at Any Angle. You might not remember this because it was like published 11 months ago. But in the beginning of the video, you mentioned that you created this video after being asked about it by a student. Was that for our class 101? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was trying to answer somebody's homework question. And I was like, dang, everybody has this problem. Because the head video for my class gave me a lot of trouble when I was making it. I had a lot of trouble like figuring out how I was going to present that subject. And I like redid it several times and I still wasn't pleased with it. But I had to like, publish that one. I think the one on YouTube is the version that I would ideally like to have published on the class number one, but I couldn't have. Mm, um, I see. Yeah. You mentioned in the introduction of your course that you hope creating the course would be like a growth experience to you. I was wondering if it served you as that now that a long time has passed since you created and launched the course. And what have you learned from the experience of filming and launching the course? Yes, I would say that I was correct. (laughs) I think when you manifest something, when you're like, say that it's going to be something, it better be that thing or else did you just lie to yourself? The timing was pretty good. It was tough because it was final season when I had to produce the class. So that part was not ideal. But the ideal part was that I made it during my third year of college. So normally people would be getting internships, working, looking for like studio work or post-grad opportunities. I had the idea that I wanted to do something like for myself And I didn't necessarily apply to that many internships. So the fact that I got to make the class and the fact that the class like was pretty successful was a very good point for me. (laughs) It showed me that I could definitely do this professionally. And the process of making the class, huge struggle. (laughs) But I knew that it was going to be like that. And I'm glad that it was that way. In the beginning, 
what I really wanted to be able to get over was like talking and presenting a subject to a microphone on camera to an audience. The first few classes, my voice was like unlistenable. I'm the person who has to edit all the videos <laughs> to myself talk. Everybody always says, I hate listening to myself talk. And it was the same for me. So I had to change my voice so that I could listen to myself. And I definitely re-recorded and re-edited certain videos like three, maybe four times over. There exists certain, certain lectures that are four completely different ones <laughs> because I was just not happy with how I presented the subject. So I think since launching, I definitely became a lot more confident presenting subjects, talking to people, <laughs> making my own videos. Yeah. Also, maybe a little bit negative, but like after the class, I poured basically everything I ever learned into the class. So I felt like I needed to reinvent myself a little bit as an artist, because if I keep on doing dynamic characters and like expressive characters, that's kind of boring. We already know I can do that. I need to like do something new. I'm still trying to figure out what that something new is. And oh, if I okay. even need to do that, because isn't an artist style what they're good at and what they like to do? And isn't that just dynamic characters for me? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like I want to also grow beyond that. I think it yeah. makes sense. We're all alive. I think that means we're always moving. Either way, it's fine. Like knowing what you want is the most important. Yes. Was that cheesy? I, mean, like... I literally said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What have been some of the most rewarding moments about being a digital artist? Being able to draw things that are real reaction out of people or resonate with them in some way, make them able to see a certain subject in the way that I see it. I really like making people laugh or cry. This is unrelated, but I also really like being able to make friends with other digital artists because usually we share the same interests. We have the same struggles and life situations. And also being able to draw the things I'm interested in attracts followers that are also interested in those things. So being able to like create community of like-minded people is really rewarding. In the beginning, you mentioned the comic that you're working on, but is there anything that you'd like to share at this point that you can share? I don't think I have anything necessarily done yet. This is not like art, but like a mini documentary about artist alleys and conventions since they've been starting up again. And I tabled at Fanime last month. That was like a pretty big experience for me. And also I'm going to AX this weekend actually. So I'm gonna keep on interviewing artists who table at conventions and trying to make some sort of documentary out of that. Good luck like, with that. Sounds like a really fun project. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Yeah. So before I let you go, my final question is, who would benefit the most from your class one-on-one course? Specifically people who like action anime, action comics, and manga. People who want to have freedom in drawing characters. They want to just be able to draw any character in any pose ever. But also people who just want a broad overview of all the skills related to character drawing and character creation. That's like most class one classes these days. Is there anything you'd like to add to this interview? Any final thoughts, comments? No. Maybe I'll have a class 101 second course soon. <laughs> it was a little delayed because of class 101's whole re remodeling but mm -hmm. we shall see. Yes, I'll keep an eye on it. All right, thanks again for making this time again. Have a great evening.
You too. Are you in Korea? <laughs> I am. It's 9 30 in the morning right now. Cool. Okay. Yep. All right. Bye. <laughs> This podcast is produced by Class 101 and hosted by me, Angela Sun. You can check out Lexan's class, Drawing Characters in Motion, on class101.co. Thanks for listening.